We're continuing along in our worship series on being immersed into the biblical story. And today we're looking at 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And there's a lot of words in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So unfortunately, I won't actually cover all of it today. But we will be looking at a window of 1st Corinthians that I think can help us expand out to the rest of that letter. And then also maybe a little bit more into the whole of the biblical story too. So I invite you now, wherever you are, to open up your Bibles and find yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I will be reading verses 17 through 26 today. I'll give you a moment for that. And if you would like to, you can also follow along on the screen in front of you today. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now, in the following instructions... I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the gift of God's word. Join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Many, many years ago now, I was an intern at this huge college ministry at the University of Washington in Seattle. And we had so many students that would come to these worship services on Tuesday nights. There was about a thousand students that would come. It was incredible. And so because we had this large ministry, there was a big staff of this church dedicated just to the college ministry of the community. So there's about 10 of us on staff. And then we also had this huge leadership team of students that were involved in the ministries too. There was about 70 students involved in the leadership roles. And it was just an incredible ministry that I got to be a part of. At the very beginning of the year and at the end of the year, we had a retreat for the staff and for these student leaders, one, to get ready for the year to come, and then also at the end of the year to reflect on how things went. 
And the year that I was there doing this ministry internship, we went in the fall in September up to Mount Baker to this beautiful lodge. It was at 9,000 feet. Mount Baker is one of these beautiful volcanoes up in the Pacific Northwest. And it was this amazing retreat we had over, the, over a couple of days to get to know each other better, to start to imagine the year that was coming up. And we had this wonderful time together. And this one afternoon, there was a big main space that kind of looked like our sanctuary, actually. kind of had the A-frame style in the lodge. And right at the heart of it was this beautiful fireplace that was made out of stones. And there was a wood-burning fire in the middle of it. There was a vent on top of it. And it was just this amazing setting where we had this beautiful worship service together. The pastor of the college ministry, he preached this great sermon. And we we're all feeling fired up for the next year and what we were going to do together. And then we celebrated communion together after that. And I think we all just felt this powerful sense that the Spirit was going to do great things that year. Once the worship service was over, myself and two other individuals really enjoyed eating the bread during that worship service. I don't know if you've actually enjoyed the bread that's at uh, communion sometimes. And we spotted it. We saw it on a little table off to the side of the room. So we thought to ourselves, we should go get the rest of that bread and eat the rest of that bread. So while we were eating this bread and drinking the cup together, we were enjoying ourselves and happy and just thinking about all the good things to come. And then the associate director of the ministry came over and she ran over to me and she nearly slapped the elements out of my hand and she said, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, Kurt, you can't eat communion after worship is over, that's not okay. And you certainly can't do it with these student leaders, you're supposed to lead them and you can't do this. Now, the associate director that came over and told us this, she, I mean, she was beloved, and I loved her. She was wonderful. She was like our theological hero in the community. She had already gone to seminary. She was so smart. We all looked up to her. And so when she said that to me, she said, you can't do this. Uh, I, I was shocked, you know. It was a memorable experience. I don't think I've had something so intense like that. Somebody say, you cannot do this. Now, for the rest of the year, we worked together on staff, so we had a we always had some rich conversations about when you could eat communion and when you could not eat communion, and we kept in dialogue with one another. But that was always such a memorable experience of somebody sort of reprimanding me around communion. I wonder for you, have you ever had an experience like that? Have you ever had somebody say, no, you can't take communion right now, or you're doing it wrong? Has a family member ever said that to you? And maybe a friend? I remember the first time I went to a worship service, they were having communion, and my friend that brought me said, oh, you can come to worship, but you can't take communion today. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I don't know, maybe you've had a pastor tell you that too. Maybe you've had an experience like mine where somebody says, no, you're doing it wrong. You can't take communion like that. That's not right. Well, essentially, the Apostle Paul, as you heard in the first half of the scripture I read to you, Paul is not commending them for what they're doing when they come together for the Lord's Supper. You know, and I think this is a perfect window into the rest of the whole of the first letter to the Corinthian church by the Apostle Paul. Because there are divisions among that church. Like essentially, the things that divide people outside of the church, socioeconomic status, the rich, the poor, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, you know all these ways we create stereotypes and categorizing different kinds of people for what they look like, what they sound like, what they earn, all these different ways we do this, all of that was seeping its way into the church so that you could hear in the Apostle Paul's words, they would come together, but it was not for the Lord's Supper because some people were going hungry and some people were getting drunk. And I loved reading that scripture out loud. He says, what? 
Are you serious? How could you do this? This makes no sense at all. No sense at all. You know, the Apostle Paul's heard from his colleagues that have been traveling with him that, hey, Paul, they're just getting drunk at church, and some people are going hungry, and they're not even eating any food. You better tell them what's up. So Paul has to write this letter to them that says all those divisions that exist outside in the world, something is wrong. That stuff's not supposed to be happening inside a church. Like, you got it wrong. I do not commend you for your behavior, especially around the Lord's Supper. I mean, in, in fact, this is probably a window into early Christianity because what was worship then? Worship was primarily surrounded by communion. I mean, maybe they had music. They didn't probably have scriptures to read. They had Old Testament inside of their minds that they might recall when they share the good news with each other and share stories about Jesus. But central to worship always was communion. It was always remembering the Lord's Supper, that last supper, right? So the Apostle Paul does not commend the Corinthians for the divisions that exist within the church that were coming from outside the rest of the world that was penetrating within the church community. And what does Paul say? What does Paul say to try to gather them together after he reprimands them? And then he says, this is what I passed on to you, these rich, and beautiful words that we hear and we recite every time we have communion together that the Apostle Paul received from the Lord Jesus and then he passes on to the Corinthian church and through this letter passes on to us these beautiful words about Jesus there at the Last Supper. Now here's what I think is critical about these words. There's a lot that can be said. As you can imagine, there's books upon books written about communion because of its significance for Christian worship. And there's so many things one could say. But I think when I look at this part of the letter of 1 Corinthians, what I see is that Jesus shows us how to take our present experience and integrate it with the reality of God. And it is so simple how Jesus shows us how to do this. It's really simple. It's by giving thanks. It's by giving thanks. Because on that night when Jesus was about to be arrested, about to be betrayed by one of his very best friends who even kissed him on that night. I mean, that was one of the most stressful nights of Jesus' entire life. Just after the supper, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and as you may know in some of the scriptures, he is sweating blood. I mean, he knows what is about to happen, that he will be arrested and that he faces crucifixion. There is this sort of expectation that Jesus has in himself that he knows what's coming. And it's going to be incredibly painful. I mean, Jesus is about to be abandoned by all who love him. And he even is going to say to himself on that cross, like, Lord, why have you abandoned me here? God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, and yet, knowing all of Jesus' present experience with all that could frustrate and separate him from the love of God, all he has to do is give thanks. He grabs this bread and he gives thanks to God for it before he breaks it and he gives it to his disciples. And in that moment, he connects with the reality of who God is, the God who gives, the God who created all of these things, the God who brought these people together, these disciples, the God who sustains, the God who builds up, the God who gathers together in diverse people so that they could give glory to God together. And it's that simple. In that moment where Jesus is faced with all of this profound stress and anxiety and worry and bleeding sweat, uh, you know, out of his head, 
there he's able to connect with the reality of God, knowing that this is a mission that God has given to him. And yet, and yet, God is a God who brings life out of death. God gives, God sustains, God provides, and that will be true even in this present context. And Jesus brings these things together by giving thanks to God in a simple prayer, by holding that bread, giving thanks to God. It's so simple. I think this is what Jesus shows the Corinthian church too. He says, look, I, I think the reason why you have these things wrong, why some go hungry, why some go get drunk when they come together is that they fundamentally misunderstood who God is in the context of what's taking place with communion. Like they haven't entered into remembering that everything we experience, everything we have in life is a gift from God. It's sheer grace. And so therefore, it shouldn't be that one hoards these things for themselves. It shouldn't be like that. There should be enough to go around. I can imagine the Apostle Paul at some point going, don't you remember hearing that story about Jesus where he took bread and he took fish and, and he fed 5,000 people? And on another occasion, he fed 4,000 people? And there was all these people that were being fed? And there was enough that was left over. Uh, frankly, the baskets came back and there was still more left in them. There was an abundance for the people of God. Like, your worship and your coming together as a church should be equitable. There should be enough to go around because of who Jesus is. Give thanks. Start by giving thanks. And then you can wait for everybody to get there. And there will be enough for everyone. Just take a break. Pause for a second and give thanks to God. And you'll see your present experience will connect with the reality of God. The rich, they will share. The poor, they won't go hungry anymore. And they can gather together and they can truly celebrate and remember the Lord's Supper in that moment by giving thanks together. This is a really simple concept, but I hope that there, maybe there's some place in your life today that you can think, gosh, I myself am feeling a bit disconnected from the reality of God in my life today. And I would love to just have that moment of experience to, to bring together my life and God, and the reality of God today. So I just encourage you to consider, you know, what is, what is something you're thankful for today? It could be so simple. What are you thankful for today? Maybe you're not thankful for anything today. Maybe you can't say any words out of your mouth that come to mind that you can pull upon in your heart, but maybe you can look at something. Maybe there's someone or something near you that you can look at with your eyes and just acknowledge and, and look at it and go, yeah, I'm thankful for that. God has given me this as provision. God has helped me have this. And maybe later in the worship service, maybe you won't have anything necessarily on your mind, but you'll have a piece of bread because you'll have got some bread from your kitchen. Maybe you've got a cup. And as you hold those elements in your hand, you can just give thanks to God for that. And maybe that will be enough for you this day that you can connect some way the reality of God with wherever you are right now in this place for you and for your life. A few years ago, there was one member of our church, beloved member of our church. Uh, <laughs> truly, she was so beloved in so many ways. And, and um, in the last few months of her life, I got to spend some time with her before she, before she passed away. And we had wonderful visits together, praying together and spending time together. And I was very honored by those experiences of getting to visit with her and read scripture and pray together. 
And on one particular morning when I was here at church a couple of years ago, her daughter gave me a call and she said, hey, Pastor Kurt, my mom is not feeling well today and I think today may be the day that she ends up passing away. And her very last request is that she might be able to have communion one more time. That, that could be her last meal that she has. Would you be willing to come down to our house and visit with us one last time? I said, of course, of course. So I gathered some things together in the church, found some stuff in the, in the kitchen, and got the juice, got the bread, and went on down to their house. And it was just the three of us there inside of her room, and she was laying in the bed, and her daughter was there. And we just held each other's hands for a little while, and we prayed together. I read a little scripture. I read a few psalms for us together. And then I grabbed the elements and I said the words that we heard in the Corinthians passage today. I said, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And I think in that moment we realized that wasn't just words from the scripture, but those were words for her. Those were words for us in that space. It wasn't just a rehashing, a remembering of Jesus, but the reality of God was so with us in that moment as we held that bread, as we ate it, and we drank that cup together. It was a very profound and beautiful moment. And I think it was not just a Last Supper, but it was a vision of the heavenly banquet that this beloved disciple, one that Jesus loves, was about to entertain at the heavenly feast that was to come for this one. It brought together the reality of God into these present circumstances, a time that could have been deeply anxious and worrying and concerning, and yet here was God the giver, God the comforter, God the provider and the sustainer of all things even in that space and in that time. So friends, when you're feeling like you're separated from the reality of God, give thanks. This is exactly how Jesus shows us to bring these two things together by giving thanks to God. Join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, our hearts are filled with thankfulness for you. God, that when we look around the world, there can be so many divisions and separations like in the Corinthian church. Lord, we're so thankful that you put love into our hearts that we would not just be clanging cymbals and loud words that talk about things, but at the heart of it, God, you have showed us a way of love. You have showed us a way to be equitable. You have showed us a way that those who are without can have, and we can make this world, frankly, a place that better reflects the love that is in you, the communion that is in you. And we long to see that communion between you, God, and your people here on earth. So, Lord, would you continue to feed your disciples, to feed us through this worship service, and to feed us so that we could be empowered to be people who bring equity in the world. And much like the Apostle Paul encouraged the Corinthian church to do as well so long ago. So may we be that church today too, God. We lift this service up to you in prayer, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.